Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call um, is also facilitated by Lori Cameron, and it happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from 9.15 or so to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. And after the recorded portion, we stay on with further discussion. Today we are starting a new chapter, chapter 23, The War Against Yourself, and we will read sections 1 and 2, The Introduction and The Irreconcilable Belief. At the top of the hour, We'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 252, The Son of God is My Identity. And that will be led by Fran. And so let me go through this, through the list here. I've got a reading this morning about Lori, Ida, <coughs> Lori, Ida, Fran, Lana, Micah, and Robin Marie. And listening is Rija, Patricia, and Judy. Is there anyone else who joined the call who would like to announce and to say hi or join the reading list? Okay, well, I'll get it started then with chapter 23, the introduction. Do you not see the opposite of frailty and weakness is sinlessness? Innocence is strength and nothing else is strong. The sinless cannot fear, for sin of any kind is weakness. The show of strength attack would use to cover frailty conceals it not, for how can the unreal be hidden? No one is strong who has an enemy, and no one can attack unless he thinks he has. Belief in enemies... Excuse me. Belief in enemies is therefore the belief in weakness, 
And what is weak is not the will of God. Being opposed to it, it is its, quote, enemy. And God is feared as an opposing will. Lori? Uh, Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself. Introduction. Do you not see the opposite of frailty and weakness is sinlessness? Innocence is strength. Nothing else is strong. The sinless cannot fear, for sin of any kind is weakness. The show of strength attack would use to cover frailty conceals it not, for how can the unreal be hidden? No one is strong who has an enemy, and no one can attack unless he thinks he has. Belief in enemies is therefore the belief in weakness, and what is weak is not the will of God. Being opposed to it, it is its so-called enemy, and God is feared as an opposing will. Two, how strange indeed becomes this war against yourself. You will believe that everything you use for sin can hurt you and become your enemy, and you will fight against it and try to weaken it because of this. And you will think that you succeeded and attack again. It is as certain you will fear what you attack as it is sure that you will love what you perceive as sinless. He walks in peace who travels sinlessly along the road, along the way love shows him. For love walks with him there, protecting him from fear, and he will see only the sinless who cannot attack. Thank you, Laura and Laurie. And Ida. Here Mm-hmm. Two. How strange indeed becomes this war against yourself. You will, you will believe that everything you use for sin can hurt you and become your enemy. And you will fight against it and try to weaken it because of this. And you will think that you succeeded and attack again. It is as certain you will fear what you attack as it is sure that you will love what you perceive as sinless. He walks in peace who travels sinlessly along the way love shows him. For love walks with him there, protecting him from fear. And he will see only the sinless who cannot attack. 3. Walk you in glory with your held held high. Walk you in glory with your head held high and fear no evil. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. Nothing they see is harmful, for their awareness of the truth releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. And what seemed harmful now stands shining in their innocence, released from sin and fear and happily return to love. They share the strength of love because they looked on innocence, and every error disappeared because they saw it not. Who looks for glory finds it where it is. Where could it be but in the innocent? Thank you, Ida and friends. Three. Walk you in glory 
with your head held high and fear no evil. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. Nothing they see is harmful for their awareness of the truth releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. And what seemed harmful now stands shining in their innocence, released from sin and fear, and happily returned to love. They share the strength of love because they look on innocence, and every error disappeared because they saw it not. Who looks for glory finds it where it is. Where could it be but in the innocent? Poor. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt in innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin, nor for a tiny stirring of guilt's attraction. Would you, for all these meaningless distractions, lay heaven aside? Your destiny and purpose are far beyond them in the clean place where littleness does not exist. Your purpose is at variance with littleness of any kind, and so it is at variance with sin. Thank you, friend. And Lana, do you read four and five? Yes, yes. Just a second. Four. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt and innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin, nor for tiny stirrings guilt of guilt attraction. Attractor, would you, for all these meaningless distractions, lay heaven aside? Your destiny and purpose are far beyond them in the clean place where littleness does not exist. Your purpose is at variance with littleness of any kind. And so it is at variance with you, with sin. Five. <clears throat> let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. His glory is beyond it, M- measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of him. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above it and perceive the light of which he is a part. Your innocence will light the way to his, and so is your protected, and so is yours protected and kept in your awareness. For who can know his glory and perceive the little and the weak about him? Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and release that and realize that? I'm sorry, and realize that heaven's glory shines on him. 
Thank you, Nana. And Micah. Okay. Five. Let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. His glory is beyond it, measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of him. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above above it and perceive the light of which he is a part. Your innocence will light the way to his, and so is yours protected and kept in your awareness. For who can know his glory and perceive the little and the weak about him? Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and realize that heaven's glory shines on him? Six. Nothing around you but is part of you. Look on it lovingly. See the light of heaven in it. So will you come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness will the world sparkle and shine and everything you once thought sinful now will be reinterpreted as part of heaven. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. What can you value more than this? For here is your salvation and your freedom, and it must be complete if you would recognize it. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie, would you read six and then uh, section title and roll into section two? Yes. Six. Nothing around... Excuse me. Nothing around you but is part of you. Look on it lovingly and see the light of heaven in it. So will you come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness will the world sparkle and shine. And everything you once thought sinful now will be reinterpreted as part of heaven. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. What can you value more than this? For here is your salvation and your freedom, and it must be complete if you would recognize it. Two, the irreconcilable beliefs. Seven, the memory of God comes to the quiet mind. It cannot come where there is conflict. For a mind at war against itself remembers not eternal gentleness. The means of war are not the means of peace. And what the warlike would remember is not love. War is impossible 
unless belief in victory is cherished. Conflict within you must imply that you believe the ego has the power to be victorious. Why else would you identify with it? Surely you realize the ego is at war with God. Certain it has, certain it is, it has no enemy. Je- yet just as certain is its fixed belief, it has an enemy that it must overcome and will succeed. Thank, thank you, Robin Marie. And uh, is there a new reader who would like to carry on with seven and eight? New reader? Okay, Lori, back to you. Section 2, The Irreconcilable Beliefs. 7. The memory of God returns. Whoopsie, sorry. The memory of God comes to the quiet mind. It cannot come where there's conflict for a mind at war against itself remembers not eternal gentleness. The means of war are not the means of peace, and what the warlike would remember is not love. War is impossible unless belief in victory is cherished. Conflict within you must imply that you believe the ego has the power to be victorious. Why else would you identify with it? Surely you realize the ego is at war with God. Certain it is. Certain it is. It has no enemy. Yet just as certain is its fixed belief it has an enemy that it must overcome and it will succeed. 8. Do you not realize a war against yourself would be a war on God? Is victory conceivable? And if it were, is this a victory you would want? The death of God, if it were possible, would be your death. Is this a victory? The ego always marches to defeat because it thinks that triumph over you is possible and God thinks otherwise. There is no war. Only the mad belief the will of God can be attacked and overthrown. You may identify with this belief, but never will it be more than madness. If fear will reign in madness, it will seem to have replaced love there. This is the conflict's purpose. And to those who think it is possible, the means seem real. Thank you, Lori. And Ida, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I realized now that I told you you could read, you'd read after friends, but I've got you before yeah. friends. So, so yeah, Ida, would you read eight and nine? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, eight. Do you not realize a war against yourself would be a war on God? Is victory conceivable? And if it were, is this a victory that you would want? The death of God, if it were possible, would be your death. Is this a victory? The ego always marches to defeat because it thinks that triumph over you is possible. And God thinks otherwise. 
This is no war. Only the mad belief that the will of God can be attacked and overthrown. You may identify with this belief, but never will it be more than madness. And fear will reign in madness and will seem to have replaced love there. This is the conflict's purpose. And to those who think that it is possible, the means seem real. Nine, be certain that it is impossible God and the ego or yourself and it will ever meet. You seem to meet and make your strange alliances on grounds that have no meaning. For your beliefs converge upon the body, the ego's chosen home, which you believe is yours. You meet at a mistake, an error in your self-appraisal. The ego joins with an illusion of yourself you share with it. And yet illusions cannot join. They are the same, and they are nothing. Their joining lies in nothingness. Two are as meaningless as one or as a thousand. The ego joins with nothing, being nothing. The victory it seeks is meaningless, as is itself. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. And Fran? Nine. Be certain that it is impossible God and the ego, or yourself and it, will ever meet. You seem to me and make your strange alliances on grounds that have no meaning. For your beliefs converge upon the body, the ego's chosen home, which you believe is yours. You meet at a mistake, an error in your self-appraisal. The ego joins with an illusion of yourself you share with it. And yet illusions cannot join. They are the same and they are nothing. Their joining lies in nothingness. Two are as meaningless as one or as a thousand. The ego joins with nothing, being nothing. The victory it seeks is meaningless as is itself. Ten. Brothers, the war against yourself is almost over. The journey's end is at the place of peace. Would you not now accept the peace around you here? This, quote, enemy you fought as an intruder on your peace is here transformed before your sight into the giver of your peace. Your, quote, enemy was God himself, to whom all conflict, triumph, and attack of any kind are all unknown. He loves you perfectly, completely, and eternally. The Son of God at war with his Creator is a condition as ridiculous as nature roaring at the wind in anger and proclaiming that it is part of itself no more. Thank you, Bryn. <clears throat> and Lana. A ten. Brother, brothers, the war against yourself is almost over. The journey's end is at the place of peace. Would you now accept the peace offered you here? This so-called enemy you fought as an intruder on your peace is here transformed before your sight into the giver of your peace. Your so-called enemy was God himself, to whom all conflict, triumph, and attacks of any kind are all unknown. 
He loves you perfectly, completely, and eternally. The Son of God at work with his Creator is a condition as ridiculous as nature roaring at the wind in anger and proclaiming that it is part of itself no more. 11. Could nature possibly establish this and make it true? Nor nor is it up to you to say what shall be part of you and what is kept apart. The war against yourself was undertaken to teach the Son of God that he is not himself and not his father's son. For this, the memory of his father must be forgotten. It is forgotten in the body's life. And if you think you are a body, you will believe you have forgotten it. Yet truth can never be forgotten by itself, and you have not forgotten what you are. Only a strange illusion of yourself, a wish to triumph over what you are, remembers not. Thank you, Lana. And Micah? Oh, okay. Um, hold on. Eleven. Uh, could could nature possibly establish? I'm going to go up one sentence. Um, the Son of God at war with His Creator is a condition as ridiculous as nature roaring at the wind in anger and proclaiming that it is part of itself no more. Could nature possibly establish this and make it true? Nor is it up to you to say what shall be part of you and what is kept apart. The war against yourself was undertaken to teach the Son of God that he is not himself and not his father's son. For this, the memory of his father must be forgotten. It is forgotten in the body's life. And if you think you are a body, you will believe you have forgotten it. Yet truth can never be forgotten by itself, and you have not forgotten what you are. Only a strange illusion of yourself, a wish to triumph over what you are, remembers not. 12. The war against yourself is but the battle of two illusions, struggling to make them different from each other in the belief that one which conquers will be true. There is no conflict between them and the truth, nor are they different from each other. Both are not true. And so it matters not what form they take. What made them is insane, and they remain part of what made them. Madness holds out no menace to reality and has no influence upon it. Illusions cannot triumph over truth, nor can they threaten it in any way. And the reality which they deny is not a part of them. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie. Twelve. 
The war against yourself is but the battle of two illusions struggling to make them different from each other in the belief the one which conquers will be true. There is no conflict between them and the truth, nor are they different from each other. Both are not true. And so it matters not what form they take. What made them is insane, and they remember of what, and they remain part of what they made. Sorry. What made them is insane, and they remain part of what made them. Madness holds out no menace to reality and has no influence, influence upon it. Illusions cannot triumph over truth, nor can they threaten it in any way. And the reality which they deny is not a part of them. What you remember is a part of you, for you must be as God created you. Truth does not fight against illusions, nor do illusions fight against the truth. Illusions battle only with themselves. Being fragmented, they fragment. But truth is indivisible and far beyond their little reach. You will remember what you know when you have learned you cannot be in conflict. One illusion about yourself can battle with another, yet the war of the two illusions is a state where nothing happens. There is no victor and there is no victory. And truth stands radiant, apart from conflict, untouched, and quiet in the peace of God. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader who would like to continue with 13 and 14? We have a new reader for 13 and 14. Okay, back to you, Lori. 13. What you remember is a part of you, for you must be as God created you. Truth does not fight against illusions, nor do illusions fight against the truth. Illusions battle only with themselves. Being fragmented, they fragment. The truth is indivisible and far beyond their little reach. You will remember what you know when you have learned you cannot be in conflict. One illusion about yourself can battle with another, Yet the war of two illusions is a state where nothing happens. There is no victor, and there is no victory. And truth stands radiant, apart from conflict, untouched and quiet, in the peace of God. 14. Conflict must be between two forces. It cannot exist between one power and nothingness. There is nothing you could attack that is not part of you. And by attacking it, you make two illusions of yourself in conflict with each other. And this occurs whenever you look on anything that God created with anything but love. 
Conflict is fearful, for it is the birth of fear. Yet what is born of nothing cannot win reality through battle. Why would you fill your world with conflicts with yourself? Let all this madness be undone for you, and turn in peace to the remembrance of God, still shining in your quiet mind. Thank you, Lori. And Ida? Yeah. 14. Conflict must be between two forces. It cannot exist between one power and nothingness. There is nothing you could attack that is not part of you. And by attacking it, you make two illusions of yourself in conflict with each other. And this occurs whenever you look at anything that God created with anything but love. Conflict is fearful, for it is the birth of fear. Yet what is born of nothing cannot win reality to battle. Why would you fill your world with conflicts with yourself? Let all this madness be undone for you and turn in peace to the remembrance of God, still shining in your quiet mind. 15. See how the conflict of illusions disappears when it is brought to truth. For it seems real only as long as it is seen as war between conflicting truths. The conqueror to be the truer, the more real, and vanquisher of the illusion that was less real, made an illusion by defeat. Thus conflict is the choice between illusions, one to be crowned as real, the other vanquished and despised. Here will the one to... Here will the Father never be remembered. Yet no illusion can invade his home and drive him out of what he loves forever. And what he loves must be forever quiet and at peace because it is his home. And you who are beloved of him are no illusions, being as true and holy as himself. Thank you, Ida. Brian? 15. See how the conflict of illusions disappears when it is brought to truth. For it seems real only as long as it is seen as war between conflicting truths. The conqueror to be the truer, the more real, and vanquisher of the illusion that was less real, made an illusion by defeat. Thus, conflict is the choice between illusions one to be crowned as real, the other vanquished and despised. Here will the Father never be remembered. Yet no illusion can invade his home and drive him out of what he loves forever. And what he loves must be forever quiet and at peace because it is his home. And you who are beloved of him are no illusions, being as true and holy as himself. 16. The stillness of your certainty of him and of yourself is home to both of you, who dwell as one and not apart. Open the door of his most holy home and let forgiveness sweep away all trace of the belief in sin that keeps God homeless and his son with him. You are not strangers in the house of God. Welcome your brother to the home where God has sent him in serenity and peace and dwells with him. Illusions have no place where love abides, 
protecting you from everything that is not true. You dwell in peace as limitless as its creator, and everything is given those who would remember him. Over his home, the Holy Spirit watches, sure that its peace can never be disturbed. Thank you, friend. And Lana? 16. The stillness of your certainty of him and of yourself is home to both of you who dwell as one and not apart. Open the door of his most holy home and let forgiveness sweep away all trace, all trace of the belief in sin that keeps God homeless and his son within. You are not strangers in the house of God. Welcome your brother to the home where God has sent him in serenity and peace and dwell with him. Illusions have no place where love abides, protecting you from everything that is not true. You dwell in peace as limitless as its creator and everything is given those who remember him over his home the Holy Spirit watches, sure that its peace can never be disturbed. 17. How can the resting place of, uh, resting place of God turn on itself and seek to overcome the one who dwells there? And think what happens when the house of God perceives itself divided. The altar disappears. The light grows dim. The temple of the Holy One becomes a house of sin and nothing is remembered except illusion. Illusions can conflict because their forms are different, and they do battle only to establish which form is true. Thank you, Lana. And Micah. Okay, Um, 17. How can the resting place of God turn on itself and seek to overcome the one who dwells there? And think what happens when the house of God perceives itself divided. The altar disappears. The light grows dim. The temple of the Holy One becomes a house of sin. And nothing is remembered except illusions. Illusions can conflict because their forms are different. And they do battle only to establish which form is true. 18. Illusions meet illusion. Wait, illusion meets illusion. Truth itself. The meeting of illusions leads to war. Peace, looking on itself, extends itself. War is the condition in which fear is born and grows and seeks to dominate. Peace is the state where love abides and seeks to share itself. Conflict and peace are opposites. Where one abides, the other cannot be. Where either goes, the other disappears. 
So is the memory of God obscured in minds that have become illusion's battleground. Yet far beyond this senseless war it shines, ready to be remembered when you side with peace. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie, would you conclude with 18? Illusion meets illusion. Truth itself. The meeting of illusions leads to war. Peace, looking on itself, extends itself. War is a condition in which fear is born and grows and seeks to dominate. Peace is a state where love abides and seeks to share itself. Conflict and peace are opposites. Where one abides, the other cannot be. Where either goes, the other disappears. So is the memory of God obscured in minds that have become illusion's battleground. Yet far beyond this senseless war, it shines, ready to be remembered, when you side with peace. Thank you, Robin Marie. (laughs) Well, for myself this morning, I'm tempted to get caught up in littleness (laughs) self-conflict because I forgot Again, to ask Lori to do an opening before we read, which he had prepared. So I ask you now, Lori, um, can you uh, share something to bridge us over to the lesson? I'd love to. I found this, um, right, rather, I guess was led to this perfect little piece from Rumi that describes um, our reading so perfectly. And it goes like this. I've been looking for a long, long time for this thing called love. I've ridden comets across the sky and I've looked below and above. And one day, I looked inside myself and this is what I found. A golden sun residing there, beaming forth the beloved's light and sound. I am, or the Son of God is my identity. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That's great. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thanks, Lori. And yeah, that's that's a better summary of this reading. than I would make. And uh, so I ask, uh, ask you, Fran, if you can lead our remembrance of the lesson now. Sure. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is sin? And today's lesson, lesson 252, the Son of God is my identity. So I shall read some from what is sin. Sin is insanity. 
It is the means by which the mind is driven mad and seeks to let illusions take the place of truth. And being mad, it sees illusions where the truth should be and where it really is. Sin gave the body eyes, but what is there the sinless would behold? What need have they of sights or sounds or touch? What would they hear or reach to grasp? What would they sense at all? To sense is not to know, and truth can be but filled with knowledge and with nothing else. The body is the instrument the mind made in its striving to deceive itself. Its purpose is to strive. Yet can the goal of striving change? And now the body serves a different name for striving. What it seeks for now is chosen by the aim the mind has taken as replacement for the goal of self-deception. Truth can be its aim as well as lies. The senses then will seek instead for witnesses to what is true. A madman's dream of frightening and sin appears indeed to terrify. And yet what sin perceives is but a childish game. But all the while, his father shines on him and loves him with an everlasting love, which his pretenses cannot change at all. How long, O Son of God, will you maintain the game of sin? Shall we not put away these sharp-edged children's toys? How soon will you be ready to come home? Perhaps today. There is no sin. Creation is unchanged. Would you still hold return to heaven back? How long, O holy Son of God, how long? I will go over to the lesson. Lesson 252, the Son of God is my identity. Myself is holy beyond all the thoughts of holiness of which I now conceive. Its shimmering and perfect purity is far more brilliant than is any light that I have ever looked upon. Its love is limitless, with an intensity that holds all things within it, in the calm of quiet certainty. Its strength comes not from burning impulses which move the world, but from the boundless love of God himself. How far beyond this world myself must be, and that how near to me and close to God. Father, you know my true identity. Reveal it now to me who am your son, that I may waken to the truth in you and know that heaven is restored to me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 252. The son of God is my identity.
Father, you know my true identity. Reveal it now to me, who am your son, that I may awaken to the truth in you and know that heaven is restored to me. Lesson 252. The Son of God is my identity. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Oh, good morning, everyone. It's Lana. Um, uh, this reading today was uh, was so uh, instructive, and um, and and my experience of what Jesus is saying in this section is so um, typical of when I experience a body adventure, <laughs> like I did this week, and the healing of it. It's so miraculous, you know, it it comes from a misidentification of self. For me, that's the whole issue. And sometimes I may not even be aware that I've misidentified myself. Some some things happen unconscious. I think it's just unconscious guilt that I'm not even aware of. But when I'm in, in ego consciousness, it seems so real. You know, when I'm functioning from that false identity. And once Jesus told me, you know, don't do battle with it. You can't fight fire with fire. And ego consciousness and its effect, whether it show up shows up in my body or my mind, when those do do battle with one another, it's like one illusion fighting another illusion. And only when that fire in my mind is brought to the cooling water of love that does it is it extinguished so I, I need to leave the battle and I need to come back to this present moment and rest in God that's really all I need to do I have to just in a holy instant just stop the battle with the effects of a sick mind and return my where bring my sick mind <laughs> just be and bring that sick mind to love because as soon as it's touched by love it's healed and uh, my experience in the last I guess month or so I went to my doctor for a checkup for congestive heart failure and he says you know I tell him about my periods of weakness and he says oh well congestive heart failure is a constant state like he didn't believe me and I, I told him oh no I only have occasional weakness um, and it usually passes in a few days so we, he, we did a echocardiogram and the next day you know I got an email uh, from off the hospital about the results and it said only slight enlargement borderline heart failure So, you know, my doctor was kind of surprised, but I wasn't. You know, I remember my doctor scratching their head when a fatal lung disease reversed itself and healed. 
So this doing battle with illusions <laughs> is just a waste of time and energy. When I just surrender into love and let God handle it, when I just um, leave the battlefield and choose love and stay there, I get validation that love is the remedy for anything unlike itself. And he lays it out so perfectly in this section and in the lesson too. You know, it's, it reinforces the truth in me. And I know that all I have to do is pause, come back to the present moment, and bring all my focus and attention inward instead of outward and rest there and do nothing. <laughs> it's so simple that it, the thinking mind can't grasp it. Um, but I know the results are always loving, peaceful, and true. So, um, and this reading in the lesson today just validated my experience. Um, but you can't fight illusions with illusions. You know, it just makes no sense. Um, so, anyway, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you for that strong testimony. <laughs> thank you, love. Thank you so much. That so lifted my heart. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. That was great. Thank you. Uh, this is Mike. Uh, I um, when this I love I love this section, and I like the way too it's tied in with uh, the lesson today. And when the section was being read, the, the um, I got this feel. You know, it's beautiful the way these words have real power. You know, a power to move awareness. You know, into to experiences of all sorts of things, depending on what Jesus is talking about. And here he was, like in this paragraph. Nine, for your beliefs converge upon the body, the ego's chosen home, which you believe is yours. You meet at a mistake, an error in your self-appraisal. And it was so, I appreciated it so much because I was, I didn't realize it, but I was, uh, the awareness was body identified into the Micah reading the Course in Miracles in space time, in the dimension of space time in a dream. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was, and, and Jesus says that the Course in Miracles is written on the level of the ego because that's where, that's where the healing really needs to occur because we're asleep in this dream. And so it was, it was nice to, um, to feel that, wow, look at, look at how identified I am right now into this, you know, the Mayor Baba's definition of the ego is the feeling of being somebody in particular. You know, look, wow, look at how this is. You know, it wasn't with heaviness or judgment. It was just with appreciation of, oh, wow. Because you know, once I'm seeing it, I'm less identified asleep in it. So I, I, it just um, made broad appreciation. And then he, he touches on it again in paragraph 11. For this, the memory of his father must be forgotten. It is forgotten in the body's life. And if you think you are a body, 
you will believe you have forgotten it. And and that's so it's just rings so true that that that's my problem is I, I fell asleep in a dream of this character and I I believe I don't know God. You know, it's it's exactly what he's saying. And then the other part that touched me that's kind of connected to that was in um, paragraph three. Oh, but we're, uh, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I just realized this way. No, no, never mind. We already did this. Okay, so in paragraph three, uh, every error disappeared because they saw it not. Who looks for glory finds it where it is. And where could it be but in the innocent? And there's a section where Jesus says, you know, do you uh, want to see your brother, uh, I think it's, do you want to see your brother sinless? Um, and, and he said, you cannot, it's impossible to see your brother as innocent and see him as a body. It's impossible. Because that innocence, when that, when that was being read, that, that, that memory of that quote, I might have it off just a little bit, but that memory of that quote came and I realize, again, you know, Jesus is kind of taking a very direct black and white approach at first as he's trying to shift us into being awake. But he knows that we will look at our brother's body and see see how, you know, see the Christ looking at Christ, even in form. Because he says in this, uh, where was it, hang on, in this part, uh, nothing around you but is part of you. Look on it lovingly and see the light of heaven in it. So will you come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness will the world sparkle and shine. And, but anyway, he kind of, he, he, he speaks pretty, uh, in, a, in a very firm way, black and white way, to, to you know, shake us awake and knowing that that awareness, the dream's not going to go anywhere, and what starts to see the dream is this transformed sight from the Christ. And uh, and so I appreciated that part about waking waking up the awareness to the body, and then to tie it in with the lesson was like this is this is what as I'm body identified, this is what I'm forgetting. You know, myself is holy beyond all the thoughts of holiness of which I now conceive. Its shimmering and perfect purity is far more brilliant than is any light that I have ever looked upon. But he's he's speaking of that place of the self beyond form to me. You know, beyond form, even though it will fold over and cause and effect are one. And, and, it, and it's the world of form and this dream is all permeated by cause. Cause and effect are one. And, um, but this, this movement into this changeless dwelling place of ourself, of the mind that we share, you know, it's it, there's no conflict there, like he's talking about, and that's where God is remembered. And 
you know, and yet also he says, God is in everything I look upon, the air I breathe, you know, every hand that reaches for my own. So it's not, he, he never tends to negate this experience of time space, but he does intend to wake us up. So anyway, I'm back. Thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and and say um what's the what's the um the title of the chapter irreconcilable beliefs and you know that there's a lot of language in this course that's simply paradoxical and um. You know, I, I I totally honor and appreciate what you said, Micah. That is how the the revelation of what is true comes. You know, that it it's it's a demolition. It's a demolition of our old beliefs. We abandon our old beliefs, the the mistaken self appraisal, for instance. That's huge, you know, that that our thinking mostly it's perceptual and judgmental and meaningless because it it distorts our vision um, from seeing the truth of who we are and how perception of form is is what made the world you know the world being propaganda for the egoic thought system you know but I can't ignore the the words beyond the egoic system and the thought system and, you know, the the revelation that will our minds will be returned to the mind of God as one and that that will be the end of perception, will be the end of the world. You know, the the, the reading for the lessons, it talks about where, 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 where will or how will senses be even necessary. The body will not even be necessary. Now, none of us that I know, anybody that I know, knows what that that is going to be or is, presently is, that we're not aware of. That truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, um, being God itself. and the But the, the gentleness and the, the ease and the... And, and the um, tenderness with which he's drawn me so avidly and with such enthusiasm wants to know the truth and the whole truth of who and what it is I am. And I, I really, um, I can't deny that. You know, what would I deny in order not to know that? Um, holding on to the dream, this is where the book gets really funny and starts talking about us making idols of our ourselves and, you know, how the, the ego is war, the ego is conflict, the ego, ego is fragmentary, uh, fragmenting. Um, thoughts are all fragment. Um, all the movement of the mind is, is all the activity of the ego, inventing and imagining um, through words and images, this dreamscape which we think we're in, and we think it's real. And that's the way the Course speaks of it. It's 
the split mind can't be healed until we actually recognize that it's a dream. Then I know that I am the son that's dreaming this dream. Step back. Let go of all your thoughts. Let your mind be still. <laughs> Let your mind be still in stillness, in that stillness that there's nothing apart from love being love itself, presents, presenting in, in present limitless peace. The, the, the Prince of Peace, the mind of the Son of God is, is in heaven as one with the with my father there's nothing there's no opposites in that there's absolutely nothing that's excluded from that so deny the denial of truth and know that it's a dream or else you will pray your thoughts be victim to that to that and thinking that your thoughts are true Jew this this is what the court speaks to me I cannot reconcile them as the same and know that they're different. And the contrast is what the Holy Spirit reveals to me. Is this a godlike thought? <laughs> really, Jude? <laughs> You're going to pretend that? Say you love God more than anything in this world? You would not make an idol of yourself in a body and Think it real before you would trust and believe the absolute words of God that J.C.'s presenting in this book as the truth. Now, I bought it. I bought it, and I've had it at my bedside for I don't know how many years. I don't count years anymore, days or <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but it's always presently in my awareness and reminds me how to let go and what it is I am to let go of. So I think I talked too long already, but I'm I'm adamantly and um, and sincerely and seriously um, seeking for the truth this morning. So play on. Let's play on with our little dolls and our little toys and and our little roles and our little beliefs and concepts of ourselves. And have some fun with it today. It's a happy dream. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I'm glad we're all here together. Amen. You're an angel advocate. Mm, thank you, Judy. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Judy. Judy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Judy. I wanted to say, uh, this is Robin Marie, before I go, that I loved um, thinking about uh, what like I said about it will fold over cause and effect are one. I really like that uh, uh, term, that use of the word fold over as we uh, acknowledge and become one with source and, and become um, the son of God, that that is our identity, that that will fold over into the world. I love that. I love it. It was just so sweetly said. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Mick. Thank you, Thank Robin you for Marie. that highlight. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Yes, thank you. 
And thank you again, Micah. It was lovely the way you put it. Thanks. I just don't buy it. Hi, this is Nana again. I have to leave the call in a little while my phone is going dead. I forgot to charge it last night. But, you know, I just wanted to share something um, because uh, even though one night, one night Lee and I shared a conversation and the topic was that moment where certainty replaced belief in us that what was given in A Course of Miracles is true. We both have had, I guess you could call them revelations of truth, where we went to a place in our mind that transformed our lives. And and I shared mine, as um, you, and Lee shared his here on, on a few occasions, where um, the experience transported me to a place that I cannot put into words. I tried to. I put it in writing as much as I could remember in the words that came to me that, um, you know, a, a place of going from the micro experience down at cell level and atoms, the molecules and neutrons, all the way out to the macro of limitless universal space and in between that there was a garden a resting place and I don't know how it seemed to last for years but when I came back to this present moment in time space only about 20 minutes had passed it was a timeless experience but it gave me an inner knowledge that Everything that Jesus writes in this book is absolute truth. And I have no uncertainty anymore. Yes, ego always tempts me. And and like on conscious level, I know I still have a lot of healing to do because it shows up in my body. Ego seldom disturbs my mind anymore. Even when I'm sick of body effects, my mind stays in perfect peace because I know I can heal myself. Um, and I'll stay in this body as long as it serves a purpose for the atonement. And I accept that servant status. And I just share it for anyone who hasn't, or still has a conscious doubt that truth is not true. And to offer just a word of guidance to not to do battle with it. Just surrender it. Pay it no mind. <laughs> come back. Come back to God and rest in God. Resting in God is one of my favorite lessons. And so um, I just leave you with this this morning, and, and I hope in some small way it might be helpful. Uh, I'm complete. Very helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, thank you, Anna. <clears throat> Keep training those doctors. Keep their minds open. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. 
Blessings. Thank you, God. Blessings, and Lana. Blessings Thank you. All today. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. That's it. Cease and desist the war. That's what the whole reading is about, <laughs> isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, and and, uh, and thanks for that too, because uh, for me, I mean, this is a hook where I get drawn back in is uh, seeing, you know, the way my need to judge and find something, somebody to blame, and it's uh, it doesn't. It usually takes the form of self-blame, but I've recently gotten a lot clearer about how that's just an attack on God that says, I hate my life. And uh, um, and yet, you know, and I can see all that it uh, has cost me in terms of... Uh, you know, in the past, I guess, and lost opportunities and seemingly broken relationships and things like that. And, uh, and because, yeah, who wants to, who wants to <laughs> dwell with a wet, sandy blanket? Um, <clears throat> but that, you know, the, the point he makes that helps me avoid the thing of just, looking at what its apparent effects are, the focus on judgment and blame and the, the way it appears to generate division. And I can look at all that and be very sad and, uh, and grieve, but I have to, and some of that's fine to accept, you know, what I've wrought, if you will. Um, but the point he makes here is that it really is just illusions clashing with delusions. And so, in truth, nothing is happening. And, then this, and this is, it, it doesn't appear so, <laughs> you know, when, I don't know if it's my left and right hemispheres of my brain or whatever, or pushing back and forth some little datum and trying to build a world upon something that I think I can blame, if that's blame to. Um, but it's, uh, it doesn't actually threaten what is, you know. And I'm reminded of, a, of one of my, my favorite lines and one of my favorite lines in The Course of Love, <clears throat> which is around where he's talking about a new idea of God, and he says the only difference between, well, it's, it's a little more explicit, right? It's like the only difference there ever was or ever will be between man and God is that man sees difference in a way that makes no sense. We think difference divides, or I do, in this act of trying to create 
you know, create uh, or miscreate by assigning blame. I think the difference is real and, and actually makes a difference and separates into and what the point he's heading towards is that the difference doesn't imply separation. That we can only see really see difference in relationship and uh, you know whatever we can do to remember the wholeness there so that we can understand that difference is just is just another reminder of relationship and the relationship is like God is that God one of the the new <clears throat> idea of God that is put forth one aspect of one way to look at it is that God is the relationship of all to all. And that relationship is you know, the, the golden light <laughs> that surrounds and fills heaven, if you will. And in just remembering that now can help me pull out of just recreating the same judgment out of a past that's got more little flex that I have labeled blameworthy collected in my bag that <laughs> don't have to carry, you know, it only generates separation and suffering. And, uh, yeah, it's all about... There's a great line in here about the, it really is just, there it is. What you remember is a part of you, for you must be as God created you. Truth does not fight against delusion, nor do illusions fight against the truth. <clears throat> illusions battle only with themselves. Being fragmented, they fragment. And I try and hold on to that and just notice where I'm separating and defining relationship incorrectly. And with that, I'm complete. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, that was, that was beautiful, Lemoyne. And <laughs> so clear. Yes. Thank you. That was great. Thank you, yeah, heartfelt and clear. Okay, now I have to <clears throat> say that, you know, where it, <laughs> I discovered a, a joke on myself that actually I think it is laughing at the tiny mad idea to say, you know, I want to give up blame. It's my favorite sharp-edged children's toy. <laughs> anyway, thought I should share a laugh. Yeah. Uh, how about... Yeah, that's the essence of the problem, isn't it? 
that separation right there. Hello, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. Give it up. Go ahead, honey. That's all I wanted to say. You're perfect, Lemoyne. Give it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Boy, it's a great lesson today, isn't it? The Son of God is my capital identity. I just don't know of a more perfect section in the text and a perfect lesson that mirror each other. Myself is holy beyond all thoughts of holiness of which I now conceive. Um, this story, and um, I know Lana's probably gone by now, but I really did uh, so much appreciate her her description of holy instant, that instant of restored communication. And um, and I often think I would know nothing but for that. And um, and until I know that God has called my own name, uh, it's hard to know anything at all. Um, but if I listen really quietly and don't let any thoughts intrude upon my peace, I recognize that God still calls my own name, asking only that I recognize it as I was created and still reside in his mind as a capital T thought, beloved of him. And were it not for that holy instant, I I wouldn't know that. Um, and so, uh, practicing the holy instant comes um, the way in which this memory returns. It's all described so beautifully in chapter 15, but every single lesson in the workbook is an invitation to enter that quiet space once again and listen for the capital voice for God who speaks our own name with love. And this lesson in particular is such a beautiful invitation. It ends with that prayer of restoration. Father, you know my true capital identity. Reveal it now to me who am your son that I may waken to the truth in you and know that heaven is restored to me. The whole problem, <laughs> the whole problem in this life is the belief in this false identity uh, that he calls the ego. And it's, it's the problem that every single one of us um, are survivors of, <laughs> if you will. He says, everyone makes one ego for himself and one for everyone else. And these uh, so-called entities, which are just a compilation of false beliefs about uh, the self, do battle constantly. Um, the, the battle 
if you will, um, is nothing more than the struggle that seems to exist in this tiny fragment. I mean, it's just a tiny fragment of mind that that does battle with this, while all the while, all the while, the capital S soul that God created, that has and is everything, still is one with all creation and with God himself in this capital identity. And so this morning I, I thought, how, how, to, um, how to speak of this? How to speak of this without, um, without sounding as though it's a solitary ownership? Because that's the problem of the ego, you know, uh, ownership of the main self. I, I need to find a place that's uh, deeper than that. And the perfect place uh, for me to draw from this morning is in chapter 3, uh, where he talks about conflict in the ego. The nature of the problem is having forgotten, just having forgotten. And I'm going to digress just a second into Course of Love. I think it's, um, it's either chapter 8 or 18, I forget which. He says, before before all of this idea of separation, he said, picture, picture this. We held hands around the world. Every single soul God created held hands around this world. And every single one of us who loosened a hand and seemed to go somewhere else was still held by the hands that held the world. He said, in that same way, when I came as a man to this place, you held hands and held my place. In that same way, when you seem to be having this experience, I'm holding hands and holding your place. None of us ever leave the mind of God. It, it was a mistaken impression um, made by the false beliefs about self that caused the idea that we're not still holding hands. Um, embracing this world in the mind of God. That was a mistaken idea. And so, to help enlighten us, he says, in, in chapter 3, he says, um, oh wait, no, got the wrong tab open. To help us understand the nature of this city, he says, God and the souls he created remain in surety even now, even now. And therefore know, we know this, that no miscreation exists, but truth can't deal with unwilling error. And all he means by that, let's see, I think there's one unmuted line. Let me just tap that. Okay, all he means by that is that... Um, Unwilling error, some false beliefs got into this mind. Some false beliefs. We didn't will these false beliefs. They just got into this mind uh, that thought it lived in a body. And 
then our awareness was reduced to what the body's eyes can see. Our experience here became a sensory experience whose origin seems to be the body, you see? And so this body is like a camera constantly taking pictures and everything it pictures is away from itself. Unity is lost seemingly because of the sensory experience. That's unwilling error. We didn't will to do that. We're still perfect holy beings in the mind of God. But this sensory error, it's a sensory error that causes us to misperceive and lose understanding of everything because a tiny fragment of the mind seems to be isolated in the body. And so he says, and this is so beautiful, um, we don't have to come up with truth by ourselves, he says. God and the souls he created remain in surety and therefore know, we know this, that no miscreation exists. Truth cannot deal with unwilling error because it does not will to be blotted out. It doesn't even know what it is. We deny, we denied our origin. We denied the way we all held hands and shared the same consciousness. We denied that. We didn't will to deny it, but we forgot it. Then he says, I was a man who remembered the capital soul and its knowledge. And as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge. And this is what we do when a tiny little fragment of us seems to be contained in a brain that's contained in a body that's limited to sensory perception. We think we have to fight against everything from that position. It's an erroneous frame of reference. Uh, Micah, you called it the battlefield. It's just an erroneous frame of reference because we forgot our true frame of reference where our holiness embraces everything. Our holiness blesses everything, he says. Um, Reveal Lesson 58 captures this so marvelously. But anyway, we go about fighting error uh, and trying to apply a thought band-aid. Well, if I think of it like this, I'm going to put a band-aid on this mistake and this mistake's going to disappear. It doesn't work like that because that's the conflict we think we have to fight. When I stop fighting, when I stop using my thoughts as a band-aid on mistakes all the time, as if, as if I could just slap band-aids on my head and correct myself, something wonderful happens. This is what happens. He says, I'm reading from chapter 3 in paragraph 48. Not counteracting error from a band-aid or a thought, but rather go to the quiet place. Go to the quiet place. And where from the bottom up, truth arises like bubbles from the bottom of a pond. Truth is already within us. It's the soul that we came here with. That's never obliterated. That's never lost. It contains all our knowledge saved for us. Everything we need to know is already there. The sun inside the mind has never, ever left us. When I go quiet to that quiet place and let truth tell me what it is, I regain, I redeem, I recognize, I every reword that you can think of, it's a reword because it's already there, returning my remembrance of this truth 
that our holiness still is and always true. Innocence is strength, he says, because innocent has no fear. What is there to fear? Because there's nothing to do battle with. When my mind is healed of the compartments that are mistakenly there, I separated myself, you see. Consciousness, he said, was the first split that man introduced into his mind. And we buried underneath so many erroneous ideas are real miracle impulses that rise like bubbles from the from a pond you know we buried all that and we further isolated ourselves into another level called the superconscious where our knowledge is contained when the fragments in my mind collapse on themselves with truth it is exactly like he says in paragraph 48 of chapter 3 exactly like he says I demonstrated both the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind I didn't counteract error from the top with a thought but rather let truth bubble up from my soul that has never lost the knowledge of the unity of all creation that's heaven that's knowledge that certainty that's the communication that God so desires to restore us to and every lesson that I sit down and do in this workbook is an invitation to silence my mind and let truth come to me not by fighting not with the band-aid but letting it rise up from the soul of me where all my knowledge is contained every workbook lesson is an opportunity to invite the holy instant where this communication is restored and this communication is both vertical he says in revelation God reveals himself to man by revelation and it's also horizontal through miracles miracles unite souls with each other and when I recognize my mind is that that little tiny dot where vertical revelation passes through me and horizontal experience of unity with my brothers all souls also passes through me I realize the truth that's at the center of the universe this soul that God created is the essence of God himself and the Holy Spirit contains all my knowledge save for me that I might do my will and then I remember the soul is in a state of grace forever my only reality is my soul and the intense and burning love for God that I felt in my creation becomes my everyday real-life experience God is approached through love of his creation and love of his creation is what passes right through this heart that's the truth man is in a state of grace forever Amen. I'm complete. Great. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Laurie. Beautiful. Isn't it marvelous? Isn't it marvelous we have a place where we can talk about our truth? 
it's how we keep it alive for ourselves and for for everyone. So we, we talk about collective consciousness. That's so easy to visualize that there's a collective unconscious. But more real than it will ever be is our collective consciousness of the union of souls, you know? That's not hard. Every time I recognize you contain my holiness, I remember. So, anyway, I love this holy place where we can talk about truth. I'm complete again. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Thanks for everything. Yeah, thanks, Lori. You keep saying I'm complete, and I hear that as, okay, well, that can be the closing of the call, but uh, <laughs> I can't resist. Do you have something else you'd like to add as a closing? <laughs> Oh, shoot. Well, you know what? I do. Here, it's really, really simple and really, really short. Open this window. I love the thought from Ruby that I opened the call with this morning, but I had another really good one uh, that was a gift to me um, from Thich Nhat Hanh. And it goes like this. In light of the Son of God is my identity, you are what you want to become. Why search anymore? You are a wonderful manifestation of the whole universe. The whole universe has come together to make your existence possible. There is nothing that is not you. The kingdom of God, the pure land, nirvana, happiness, and liberation are all you. You are what you want to become. Amen. Oh, thank you. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. What a glorious call. Thanks, Lemoyne. I can only repeat what you say. Thank you, Laurie, and thank you, everyone. Um, Welcome to stay on the after call. We'll be here for most of another hour. And uh, at this point, I'll do my, I'll fill my role as button pusher. Here we go.